Ray Gray was a talented young artist and athlete in Detroit in 1973. In that February, he was caught up in a murder that many people say he had no part of. Nearly 50 years later, Gray may now have the proof he needs to show he didn't commit the crime. The story is the cover of this week's Metro Times. I caught up with writer Eddie Allen and former Channel 7 reporter, now private investigator Bill Proctor, who's been working on Ray's case for more than a decade. At least. Um, It actually came to me from uh, some folks up in Canada. The organization was called AIDWIC. I think it's changed now, but... uh, They had been working on it for a number of years. Of course, uh, Ray's wife lives in southeastern Michigan here, and so I met with them in a library in Royal Oak, and at first I'm saying, you know, I don't know if I can help, and I was convinced, and I've been convinced ever since, that Ray Gray is innocent. Yeah, for both of you, I want to ask, why has this case stuck with you? Stuck with me um, because, first of all, I have uh, a cousin, uh, Norman Allen, who's been in prison almost 20 years on a wrongful conviction. So the topic in general is of uh, personal interest. Uh, when I learned about Ray, uh, the sheer length of his of his sentence is what stood out um, and how hard Bill works on all of his cases. But uh, with Ray being a man of almost 70 um, having been imprisoned at barely 21, it was it was just kind of a stunning, uh, just a stunning realization of how how bad the system can feel. Now, Eddie, again, this is your cover story in this week's Metro Times, where you can go to metrotimes.com and read all the details on it. Uh, but I do want to get into some details right now. Now, Ray himself was never involved in any kind of criminal activity. He was a painter and an athlete. He was there on the night of February 6th. 1973, in his own apartment, he found himself caught up in this terrible turn of events. Uh, can we go on a, a short timeline of what happened that night? Well, Ray was actually at home. Do you want to take that over, Bill? Ray was not at the apartment. That's was The apartment was apartment. where the killing took place. It's actually a house on the west side where Ray was. He was in the family home. And um, over some of those uh, evening hours, he actually was doing uh, something to make money. He, he actually was a hairstylist. I don't know if back then licenses were (laughs) necessary, but Ray had a long list of clients, women who used to come to the house and he would uh, do whatever they asked. I don't know if it was cutting or curling or whatever, but he had clients that night. I think some of his relatives were at home. His father was there. Uh, There were people who um, could clearly attest to the fact that um, he was never gone away from the house at the time frame where the robbery and murder took place uh, some distance away from his home, but also inside the city limits. And that was the, I guess, the, 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 some of the larger elements of this tragedy. There were people, family members, who went to court and testified. And for some reason, uh, a man who gained respect in other areas, uh, Judge Justin Ravitz, just decided not to believe relatives and others who said, no, Ray wasn't there, Ray wasn't there. Now, granted, it's the unfortunate fact that there was a a hairstyle back then that is a style of facial hair called a Fu Manchu. Ray had one, and so did Charlie Matthews, the man that I'm convinced actually committed this murder. They were about the same height and build. Um, And uh, so when, when one of the women who was robbed... Uh, identified Ray, I think it had everything to do with uh, with similar facial hair and not necessarily the person that she was looking at. As a matter of fact, I can 
I can attest fully that no, it wasn't Ray. Yes, it was Charlie Matthews. So even at this time, there was no physical evidence tying Ray to the crime scene at all, but he became a suspect by Detroit police. Became a suspect because of his association with one of the female victims in that apartment that night, someone who at one point was actually suspected as being a co-conspirator because she was one of two women who opened the door and there the robbers stood, forced their way in, and uh, essentially announced the robbery and told everybody to give up what they had. And uh, that included a uh, Reuben Bryant, uh, the man who was there. And, and yes, he, he was dealing drugs out of that particular apartment. And yes, the people who came to do the robbery knew that there was drug money to be had. Now, it's a terrible tragedy that happened that night uh, when a man lost his life. But, Eddie, as you've written for the Metro Times this week, uh, the tragedy for Ray is that he had so much potential as an artist, as an athlete, uh, and he was really striving to make a better life for his family. Yeah, um, and and it's it's amazing even what he's done in these uh, 47 years now. Um, the artwork, um, one of them, <clears throat> excuse me, one of his pieces was uh, used for the cover um, of the of the Metro Times to accompany the story. He's amazingly talented. Uh, I think he he truly had the the entire world and an entire uh, po- life of possibilities ahead of him. It was it was tragic in that way because his life was stolen. Except that he's still breathing behind bars. Yeah, now nearly everybody associated with this case, except for Ray himself and and a few others, have passed away in the nearly fifty years since this happened in 1973. Now, Bill. You have been following up over the past few years, and you have what you feel is is a piece of evidence that could really uh, exonerate Ray this time. Well, after all these years, only one of the uh, the women who were inside the apartment where the robbery took place uh, is still alive. She just turned 65, and she has finally, on paper um, and with photographs, identified the two men who were responsible for the robbery that night. Um, I think it's the first time where there is an official uh, legal document indicating that fact. Um, Over the years, there have been uh, many discussions, uh, police interviews, that kind of thing, so that uh, you would think that the police department would have known that there were other people to look at, especially since Ray Gray, from the time they put handcuffs on him until this very day, in court, out of court, in front of police officers, uh, anywhere. He has always said he had nothing to do with this. And there were people who were saying he had nothing to do with this. And the woman who signed the document here this year also was on the stand and said, Ray Gray didn't do this. And it, it just didn't matter in all the right places. This was an inexperienced defense lawyer um, who's one of his first capital crimes And he made the big mistake of essentially leaving this in the hands of the judge. I think there there could have been plenty of doubt left uh, if a jury had heard what the judge heard but didn't hear correctly. And then the judge himself, Eddie, you write about him as coming to fame in the early 70s as a a radical attorney. What what do you mean by that? Well, um, radical in the sense of radical activism in in the 70s. He uh, did a great deal, um, and my understanding was he had a uh, sort of a comrade in in Ken Cockrell, the uh, Detroit councilman. They uh, did quite a bit, ironically, sort of in in a sense, to help brought law enforcement reform 
And uh, he was known sort of as an ally in that regard before he was elected to the bench. Um, it was just unfortunate, as, as Bill mentioned. Um, he was not a person who was swayed in the direction that um, ideally he would have been swayed for Ray to get the justice that he still has not received. Eddie, you also write that wrongful convictions used to be a thing that didn't really happen or people didn't really believe in. But uh, in the last few years, we've seen a record number of exonerations happen, not only in Michigan, but here uh, nationally as well. Uh, Bill, for yourself, you have been working for the last few years as a private investigator and you've seen six uh, exonerations due to your work. I guess, tell me why you both believe so much in the case of Ray Gray. Well, it's it's one of those things where There is no DNA. Uh, I mean, a lot of folks believe that because of the advent of DNA, the science being strong enough to get into the court system, that only happened in the mid-'80s. This case happened in 1973, and there really wasn't anything that could bring science to this case. It was only a matter of the victims, the eyewitness, uh, eyewitnesses, what they might have to say. And of course, we know that high on the list of the reasons for wrongful convictions is incorrect identifications of suspects. So that's there. Um, but just this, uh, this talented gentleman who really had no reason to go and rob somebody, and his only mistake that night was to have the wrong girlfriend. One of the women victims in the apartment that night was Ray's girlfriend, and because of some of the elements of what happened that night, um, the police started looking at Ray, and um, they just never backed away from that possibility and the fact that someone else might have also had a Fu Manchu mustache and a gun and was ready to kill just to take money from a drug dealer. And Eddie, for you, what, what makes you believe in the case of Ray Gray, and what should people take away from this interview in your article? Well, I, I was impressed by the strength of his advocates in terms of their law enforcement experience. Uh, Ellis Stafford, who uh, Bill actually, and uh, Bill is actually uh, my, my leading advocate in terms of sources on, on the Ray Gray case. Um, he uh, steered me toward Ellis Stafford, a former Michigan state police trooper investigator who is now um, deputy commissioner of the Detroit Crime Commission uh, in a sense Canada, which I believe is the, um, the, as I recall, the organization Bill alluded to earlier, an advocacy organization. These are credible groups, credible, credible groups and individuals, credible people with reputations for knowing how to solve and investigate crime. And that, I think, was the primary reason, um, along with Bill's years and years of, of familiarity and experience with the case. It's, it's just one of those that it's very hard to find a reason that he could truly be guilty instead of innocent, as, as uh, he claims. That's writer Eddie Allen and former Channel 7 reporter, now private investigator Bill Proctor. I spoke to them about the case to exonerate Detroiter Ray Gray, who has been serving a life sentence since 1973 for murder many people say he did not commit. You can read the entire story over at MetroTimes.com. This is Culture Shift. Culture Shift.